Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. So welcome this morning, it's great to see you, it's so good to have you with us, if it's your first time in today in particular, very special welcome to you. Uh, I'm going to speak in a moment or two, I'm going to take up the theme this morning um, in Genesis, you might want to turn to it, Genesis chapter 41. God Meant It For Good is a series that we're looking at as a church uh, from the, uh, bo- the book of Genesis and looking at the life of Joseph. And uh, so I'm going to dive straight into that with the time that we have this morning, and it will be revealed in the next few moments. Genesis chapter 41. I'm going to read this chapter. Not too often that you get an entire... But I'm going to read the whole thing. So we're going to read this together. And uh, if you haven't got your Bible with you, uh, just listen. Um, It's not going to appear on screen. It would be about five or six uh, uh, screenshots to, to do that. So I'm going to read it together. So Genesis 41 reads like this. It's where Pharaoh has a dream. And it says, When... Two full years had passed. Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. And uh, when out of the river, there came up seven cows. Seven cows, sleek and fat. And they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those in the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows Uh, Then Pharaoh woke up. Verse 5, he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. There, after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams. But no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh once was angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream at same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them for us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. Not a good dream. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he was shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret, but I have heard it said that, you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream I was standing at the bank of the Nile, when out of the river came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they were grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean, and I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. It depends how you interpret that, doesn't it? (laughs) 
But even after they, they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before when I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full of and good, growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh that what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It's just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But the seven years of famine will follow them. And then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten. And the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. Because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. And God will do it soon. And, Pharaoh, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store it up, store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? Or one on, in whom the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of all my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Just remember, he's only just come out of a stinking prison rotting, eaten by rats, filthy and stinking, and he's just cleaned himself up. And now he's being told this. Only you, only with respect to the throne, will I be greater than you. In other words, he's going to be the second in charge of all Egypt, one of the mightiest empires in the, in the then known world. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge, just like that. One day he's in prison, the next day, just incredible, I hereby put in charge of the whole land of Egypt. One day you and I could be in prison, but the next day God could open the door and life could change dramatically, whatever your prison might be, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're feeling right now. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. This was a huge thing to do. This was identifying a transfer of power and authority. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in a chariot and was his second in command. And the people shouted to him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. But without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in Egypt. That's how powerful Joseph had become. Like Pharaoh, almost. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphnath-Pananir and gave him Asaneth, 
daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old. Far cry from the young 17-year-old, some, uh, some 13 years before, who was so full of himself. What an, amazing, what an amazing turnaround of events in this young man's life. He was now 30 years old, and he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt, During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in the seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put food um, grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph and Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all of my father's trouble. It, it, it means to forget your past trouble, the name Manasseh. The second son he named Ephraim, which means, the name Ephraim means twice fruitful. And he said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He dealt with his past and gave him a new today and a new tomorrow. How about that? And then seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph has said, there was famine in in all of the lands, but the whole land of Egypt, there was food. And when all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was so severe everywhere. Two years had passed, and uh, from the from the Joseph's experience in prison. He'd been in prison probably a couple of years before that. So our story picks up this morning. It says, now after two years. So Joseph's probably been in prison at least maybe four or five years, something like that, by this point. We're not 100% sure, but at least two years had passed since that encounter with the cupbearer where he he interpreted his dream and said, remember me, and the cupbearer forgot him. And now two years later from that encounter, left to rot in a stinking prison, and a couple of weeks back I spoke about what do we do when we feel forgotten. That was a couple of weeks back. Today I want to just take up the theme of I can't, but he can. And after those two years that had passed in that prison cell that Pharaoh has a dream, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, of which Joseph is going to interpret. And an opportunity arises for Joseph, not that he didn't realise. He didn't realise this in the background. An amazing opportunity was about to arise for Joseph to not only come out of prison, but to be taken into a place of power in, in the most amazing, uh, amazing experience Quickly and simply, there are three things that I want to just cover um, in this, this uh, account uh, with time that permits. And the first thing is this. The hinge that opens the door to opportunity, I'm going to suggest to you, is found in verse 16. This whole, and it's a very long reading, and I, 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 you know, we're not used to having such large readings in gatherings today, but I've read it for a purpose because there's one verse where everything hinges. Joseph's life and his future 
hinged on this one verse. Have a look at it with me. It's verse 16. And in verse 16, we read these words. When Pharaoh says to Joseph, you know, I'm being told that you can interpret these dreams. This is what Joseph says. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. 17 years, um, 13 years before that, when he was 17 years of age, he said to his brothers, I've got a dream. I'm this. I'm going to be that. I've got this. God's going to do... It was I, I, I. Now, 13 years later, he's saying... I can't do this. I haven't got anything. But God can do it. He's got everything. In those 13 years of trial and of pain, slavery, being left for dead, hated by his brothers, being put in jail, in a prison to to die and rot, Joseph learnt something about trusting in God. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning that, and for you and I, The hinge to life's opportunities that opens the door to opportunities in God, to God flowing and working in and through your life is found in this realisation. It's not me, God, it's you. That one simple realisation could make the difference to your work, your marriage, your home, your sanity, your mental health, your heart, your eternal, my eternal security. It's this. Joseph said, it's not me. I can't do it. It's amazing because Pharaoh was a very powerful man. And Joseph, as a young man, would have probably said, oh, you're lucky, Pharaoh. You're absolutely right. I can do this. The prestige that would have come from that. But he says, I can't do it. That wasn't false humility. He comes to a realization, it's not me. It's only God who can. I don't know about you, but I know in my own life that um, what stands in the way of God flowing through your life and my life, what stands in the way of you and I knowing the the full realisation of the the full love of God, his, his mercy, his presence, his goodness, His favour, his hand upon your life and my life, and the flow of the Spirit through your life and my life, very often what what stands in the way is me. It's me. It's you. It's the me in me. It's the my. This is me. This is mine. I've told the story, but many, many years ago, I I remember we, we, uh, as a family, had moved from a place, Aberdeen as a church, and went to a place called Newcastle upon Tyne. And... um, I remember it was about, and, and, and um, this person didn't know me. I was a new pastor at this, this church. I'd just been inducted the, the day before. And this person was a member of that church, but didn't know me. And um, they weren't at the induction. And I think I went to sit in a certain seat, and this person said, you can't sit there, it's mine. Well, it, I, I wasn't bothered. They could sit. I, I could sit. I, don't, I, I honestly don't mind where I sit, to be honest, at the end of the day. And I didn't get all hoity-toity. I said, oh, oh all right. I said. And, and then I was welcomed that morning <laughs> as the pastor. And the person got very apologetic with me. <laughs> I tell that story for this thing. It's mine. It's mine. I, I, I get. They were just used to sitting there, and I get that. And there's nothing wrong in that. It's, if you're it's sitting in a seat and you're used to that seat, it's fine. 
You know, we're not going to say you can't sit there. You can sit wherever you like. But the, 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 it was more what was behind the heart of it. It's mine. It's mine. And it's the my and me that can stand. It's the principle. It's the heart. It's, the, it's a heart thing, isn't it? It's a heart thing. And see, with Joseph, an amazing thing had happened. It's a change of his heart, a change of his spirit. He, his, he, his heart had become open to God. He was being blessed by God as a 17-year-old young man where his daddy loved him so much he gave him a coat of incredible colour and, and doted on it and he was being blessed. But so much more was in, in store for this young man. Here he is now being elevated to a place of second only to Pharaoh the most powerful nation upon all the earth at that time. It's incredible what can separate us from what God wants to do in our hearts and through our lives. What, what, how God's, you may know the experience, the love, the, the, the favour, the hand of God, the grace, the mercy, that you might feel good about yourself and feel good in God, that you might have a sound mind and a sound heart, that we might know the fullness of God. What stands in the way is me and you. And there's something very powerful. And this is why I say the hinge to the place of opportunity, the door of opportunity is me, my, and I in me. And... Um, it's, it's at that place when we say, it's not, not me, Lord. It's got to be you. And, and sometimes um, we need to be at that place. I don't know where you are in your heart and place and life, you know, with your job and your life and your family and our church and your spiritual walk. Um, but it's easy for me to go to a default. And, and, and there's an old default. There's the old fallen nature in me. And the default is that if, if I don't keep my heart open to God, I can go back to me, 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 me. It's my, it's I. I make my plans. I'm going to do this. I, and it's not wrong to plan your life. It's not wrong to have a life. I'm not saying any of those things. But beware, there's, a, there's something in the human nature, the old nature. It's all about, it's all me, me. And it's keeping our hearts open. And this, if Joseph had said, yes, it's all, yes, it's me. I can do that for you, Pharaoh. I honestly wonder if we might be reading a different story. But he says, not me, but God can. He honours God. He acknowledges God. And that's incredibly liberating for you and I because there's only so much that you and I can do. We found that out during the pandemic. Nations, entire world found out that human beings can do so much. And in the face of circumstance beyond sometimes our contemplation or control, only God can. Second thing that we learned in this story, we need to keep our hearts open, and it's, it's this. So when Joseph opened his heart there in this way, that not me but you, God, um, Joseph experienced a promotion to a place of great power. I, I can't state that. I haven't got time to go into that in any more detail, but, but Joseph went from being in... in uh, Left to rot in a stinking prison. You notice they said put clean clothes on him and shave him and get him looking good for Pharaoh. Pharaoh wouldn't contemplate someone turning up filthy. You couldn't come into the presence of the God. Pharaoh was treated like a God. But you and I, with God, Father God, we can turn up filthy. It's amazing, isn't it? God cleans our hearts. We, don't have to, we can't turn up to God clean because we're not clean. With Pharaoh, you had to be clean before you could see him. But with you and I, we can see God, come before God just as I am. It's incredible. That's another parallel. But he is cleaned up. He's brought before Pharaoh. And with, this, with him interpreting this dream, 
Uh, the right answer is, you can do it, God. God does, and he says, well, this is the dream. Pharaoh then promotes him to a place of great power, second only to Pharaoh in all of the known world. He, he had the power of life and death. Only Pharaoh could, and Pharaoh would say, do what Joseph says. It, it's, 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 a, it's a story. It, we haven't got time to go into any more detail, but it's incredible what happens. This, is, this would never have been in his imagination in, in, in all of his life to be at this position. Do you know, there is a process to um, promotion, uh, as it were. There is a, 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 a process to promotion. And uh, there's three simple things. Um, to know the hand of God, this is what I mean, um, we're often tested... So to experience the favour and the hand and the flow of the Spirit of God and the hand of God in our lives, often in life we'll be tested. Um, and during that test, we have a choice to trust. It's the second thing I'd say. And uh, as we trust and open our hearts and trust him in faith and acknowledge God, then he entrusts. So, so those three, three simple things to the process of knowing the hand of God in our lives. Tested. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. As a Christian, and I, I, as I look around, and I, I, I know circumstance, circumstance of some of our lives, but not every life, but you, will have, we, you and I will have circumstance. That we will be challenged by the circumstance of the fallen world in which we live. And you will have trouble. And you might say, tell me about it, Adrian. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what I've come from. You don't know what I'm going through. You're absolutely right. I don't, but God does. But you and I will be tested. And even as being a Christian that loves God, even when you do the right thing for God. Jo you know, Joseph might do the right thing when he's, he ran away from Potiphar's wife, but she accused him, and he was then put in prison for doing the right thing. And we've looked at this in more detail a few weeks back. When we do the right thing in God, we can be tested, and, and circumstance can go badly. So even being a good Christian and loving God with all our heart, you will be shaken. You and I, life will shake us from time to time. And during that testing, Jesus said this, but take heart, take courage, I've overcome this world. During that testing and, and whatever you might struggle in, we can know God in the midst of that, and it, it's as we trust. This is the process. It doesn't happen overnight, but we come to a point where we, we can choose to trust or not. And, and during the challenges of our lives, it, it, we can put our faith in God. In Joseph, this is what Joseph had to learn. I would say to you, during his time in prison, he learned to put his faith in God because he says when he comes out of prison, I can't do it, but only God can. And that shows us that during those four or five years of challenge, of test, of woe, of abandonment, of being left for dead and nearly dying of starvation, he trusts God. Trust can take time. And um, Jesus said about faith and trust, trust the, the grain of mustard seed. A mustard seed will move mountains. You might be thinking this morning, you don't know what I'm going through. The circumstance of my life, the challenges, the test, the sickness, what the doctor has said, my job, my manager, you know, my fa in our family, husband, my wife, the pain, the suffering. And you're right, I don't know. But during that, there's the opportunity to trust. And, and that's challenging. And so I would say that a mustard seed, Jesus said, a mustard seed. A mustard, we talk about this a lot, but that spoke to me many a time. Mustard seed, you wouldn't even see it like a speck. If I would hold up a mustard seed speck in my hand, you wouldn't see it. And I would, well, I'd have to put glasses back on to see it now, but I'd hardly see it. Not much. A little bit of trust like that, Jesus said, will move mountains. So be encouraged in your pain, in your test, in your circumstance. There's a process to knowing the flow of God in your life. Uh, but when, when, when we trust, and I would say day by day, 
keep coming back. You fall over, get back up and trust him again. You keep coming, fall, get back up and trust him again. If you're in a cycle right now where you, you, some days you feel like giving up, some days you walk away, other days you're overwhelmed with depression, just get back and just trust him again with that mustard seed. Because uh, Paul says to the Galatians, keep in step, get back up, day by day. It's day by day, mustard seed, day by day. Uh, but what happens is at some point, then God entrusts. Tested, trusting, but entrusted. God entrusts. You know, it's as we give God our hearts that you know his hand. When you give God your heart, this takes time to learn, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but for me, it's as I keep giving and yielding my heart to God that I feel the hand of God. It's a process. It's a journey. Sometimes it happens almost instantly and we have a miracle breakthrough and that does happen, it can happen. I very often find, like Joseph, there is a prison, there's a dark place, there are times of fear, but as I keep going, as I keep going, I know his hand. Final thing is this. There's a process to this promotion. Um, but we see this, that um, the most amazing thing that happens to Joseph is this. It's not so much that what Joseph had, and he had all the wealth of the land, but it's what went on in his heart. This is the greatest thing that can happen to you and I. What takes place within us, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, in your life. The greatest, the greatest gift, the greatest thing is when we get set free, when we are forgiven, when we're healed in our hearts. You might say, so. and for Joseph, he had all the power and wealth of the world but the greatest thing for him was what went on in his heart, not what he had. And you might say, oh, it's easy for you to say, you're probably okay, you're doing all right in your life, you've got things, you probably live in a nice home, you drive a decent car or something like that. It's all right for you to say. It's true. Not all those things I've just said. <laughs> it's true that what we have in our hearts is more important than what we have in our hands. Look at this in Joseph, and this is why I say this. He says he has two sons. He's blessed with a family. He is blessed with all these wonderful gifts and things. But the greatest miracle that went on and which gave him the peace of heart and life is this. He said he had two sons. One he called Manasseh, which means to forget. He said, I forget my terrible past, what's happened to me by my brothers. How about that? I'm released from it. I've been set free. And then he has another son, Ephraim, and he says, I feel twice fruitful. I feel just loved, forgiven, healed. God's doing something in my life. What goes on in here? I've met people that are very wealthy, but they feel that they need more. I've met people that look as if life is great, but they look in the mirror and say, I'm too, I'm too fat, I'm too fat. And they look to me, thin. It's, it's what goes on in the heart. It's what goes on in the mind. This is so important. I meet people that are Christians, they just don't feel forgiven. And they keep walking around with something chipping away at their heart and life. The greatest thing that happened to Joseph was the healing of his heart. And so too, the greatest thing that can happen for you and I is the healing of our heart. With this we conclude, and we're going to come and pray, and the worship team are going to come back. If you could come back right now, that would be great. Thank you. You know, I came across this, somebody said that sometimes a beautiful picture can be developed from a negative in a dark room. In, now we've got digital cameras. You just go click and you've got an instant picture. In, and some of you might be phot photographic buffs, I don't know. If there's any, is there any photographers in the house this morning? Do you really love photography? Uh, no. 
None. All right. Well, once upon a time, when you took a photo, it was, it was um, developed in a dark room, red light. There's red light and the room is dark. There's a, a developing solution. And the, the photograph on the photographic paper went into the solution and the light was, was done in such a way that it wasn't overdeveloped. And it was, it was called a dark room. Yeah? And, you, and then they were hung up and you see these amazing pictures. I mean, and they could be in black and white, beautiful colour. Uh, but it's like that in life. It can be like that in life. There are times, and in God, with God, and in the power of his spirit, a beautiful picture can be developed in the dark room of your life. I don't know what you're going through right now, but Joseph went through a very dark place. And as Christians, there is challenge and there can be darkness. But as we open up our hearts, as we trust him, begin to trust just a mustard seed again and again, you find that we feel the hand of God and something can change in your heart. Maybe you need a Manasseh. You need a release for forgiveness in your heart this morning. Let's pray. God bless you. Thank you for listening.